I'm going to stop for just a little bit. We're wrapping up our big things coming from coming small packages series today. This is week five. Um, if you're here for the first time, obviously you're eating with us. It's good to have you. Um, let me just kind of walk us through. If you got your sheet, you can take notes if you want to. You don't have to. All this will be online later on, so you can eat, download this later. Let me walk you through three really quick points. We're talking about big things coming, small packages. Um, this morning we're wrapping it up with start big. We ended big at the beginning. We're starting big at the end. It all sounds weird. Hopefully it'll make sense when I'm done. Here's the first point. Sometimes big seems too big. Here's what we've done over the last month. Here's what we've talked about over the last month. We've talked about the kingdom of God is really, really big. We talked about that the first week. It ends big. We've talked about some really big things that God has done through this house of worship over the last year. We've encouraged you to dream big. You've given big. Last week we talked about receiving big. We've talked about a lot of big things. And if you're like most people, when you talk about really big things, it can get really overwhelming. Sometimes big seems to be too big. There's this curious um, story in Scripture. A man named Moses is walking around the desert. He sees a burning bush. Uh, God calls him to do something really big. And Moses has three questions that he asks, that most of us ask as well. It's in Exodus chapter 3. First, Moses asked this question. He said, who am I? That's in Exodus 3.11. He said, who am I? His second question was to God. He said, who are you? That's in Exodus 3.13. And then the third question was Exodus 4.1. He said, what about them? Now listen, here's the deal. Every time God calls us to do something big, we ask those exact same questions. We say, what, what God, who am I? Am I going to be good enough to do what you just called me to do? And then we turn it around on God and we say, well, who are you, God? Are, are you going to be good enough? And if we're really honest, I could ask this question. How many times have you felt God call you to do something and you were a little scared to do it because in all honesty, we weren't sure God would be faithful. We'd heard about it, but we weren't sure he would be faithful. So we we wonder, am I good enough? God, are you good enough? And then the last question we always ask is this. If I did step out and I did something big, if I did the big thing that you called me to, if I was good enough for you to use and you were good enough as a God faithful enough to do what you said you would do, what are they going to do? And we start looking at friends and family. I was dating a girl in college one time. I was sure that we were going to get married because that's just how I was. Every girl I dated, I thought I was going to marry. I was a loser. And she went to church one day without me, and she came back, and I was like, so how is church? And she said this, I think God's called me to be a missionary. And I went, well, that's great. I didn't react the way she probably thought I would react. She probably thought I'd be like, that's fantastic, man. God's called you to be a missionary. You should do it. That's awesome. I reacted like, please, please don't go. Please don't, please don't do that. Don't, you ever been surrounded by people when you start dreaming big, they're the first ones to kind of pull you back to reality? People do that all the time. So it's not surprising at all. When God calls us to do big things, we start to think about the big stuff that God wants to do. Through us. Yeah, we wonder if we're good enough. The answer is probably no. We wonder if God's going to be good enough. The answer is yes. But we always get hung up on the third question. Moses said, what, what about them? In Exodus 4.1, that's where you find it. He said, what about them? Well, I mean, if I go do what you're telling me to do, what, what are they going to do? 
If we're honest, that's what we ask ourselves. We start spinning ourselves crazy. Let's see, um, I shouldn't ask this, but I'm going to. How many of you are control freaks? Okay, let's be more honest. How many of you are married to a control freak? Yeah, a lot more hands that time, right? Listen, how many of you spend your time thinking and worrying about things that you cannot control? Just let me see your hands. Yeah. And that's exactly where Moses was, right? God's saying to him, look, I've got these people, two million people that I need to get out of slavery, and you're the guy to do it. And Moses starts spinning himself crazy, thinking about all the things that he cannot control. Big suddenly got way too big for Moses. And so what I love about God is God has this way of asking one question that can seem so random. But God understands a principle that every car dealership in America already understands. God asked Moses this one question in Exodus 4.3. He said, what's that in your hand? And immediately with one question, God grabbed Moses and got him out of spinning like a mad, crazy person over things he can't control. And he brought his attention back to something that he actually physically had in his hand. So what's in your hand, Moses? Before we answer that question, let me just share with you number two. When the big starts to seem too big, that's when it's time for the big to become small. That's when the big needs to be small. You practice this principle every time you buy stuff. If you go buy a brand new car, you never walk on the car lot and the dealer says, hey, you need to get in this car. I need to get you in this car. And the reason I need to get you in this car is because you've got kids and they don't like to eat and they don't want to go to college and they would love nothing more for you to spend Thirty-five to forty thousand dollars on this vehicle, because if they tried to sell you a car like that, you're not buying a car. You're going to ride a, a unicycle or a bicycle or a moped. You're going to get really good gas mileage. They don't sell you a car like that. Why don't they sell it to you like that? Because that's too big, right? So what they do is, how much can you afford a month? I don't know, maybe five hundred dollars or so. I can get you in this car for $500 a month just for four years, and it's yours. And now you'll walk off the lot feeling like you got a really good deal. You're still spending $35,000 to $40,000. What did they do? They took the big, and they made it small. I'm not knocking you if you work at a rental center, but rental centers are the best and the worst at that principle, right? They'll somehow sell you a refrigerator for three times what you would have paid, and you'll feel good about it. Because you can afford the monthly payment. Nobody buys a house based on how much the house actually costs. They buy a house based on the monthly mortgage payment. We have bought this. It's a principle, and it started with God. You take the very, very big things, and you make them small. If you work for a fundraising company, you never go in saying, Hey, we want to raise $500 million. You might say that one time, but then you're going to say, We want to raise it so we can build a building, and we need you to buy a brick. Just one. And if you'll buy one brick, and we'll get everybody else to buy one brick, we'll build a building. Because they take the big and they make it small. Sometimes that's what we need to do. That's exactly what God does with Moses. Moses is getting overwhelmed by the big. 
And God says, look, let's make this small-sized. And let me help you understand how I can use you to accomplish the big. What is in your hand? God wants to do some amazing things through our church. He already is. And if, if we're not careful, we'll just sit back and we'll say, well, it's the end of 2013. That was a great year. God did really good things at the gathering. We look around and go, hey, that's fantastic. Last year this time we had 100 people, now we got 130. I know a lot of businesses that would love 30% growth in one year, right? But if we can think about the goal, then it's too small for God. God wants to do really big things through this house. The kind of things that at the end of the year we would look back and go, I don't know how that happened. He wants to heal people, save people, send people. He wants to use the broken and cynical people at your table to reach broken and cynical people. He wants to reach the unreached with your reach and my reach, and that's unreachable for me. This is like when I was in college and I was a bodybuilder. I don't know why that's so funny, honestly. When I was in college and I was a bodybuilder, I had a goal. I wanted to have 20-inch biceps. I had, I think, like 12-and-a-half-inch biceps when I started. I wanted 20-inch biceps because that's what cool guys had, right? And so when I started thinking about it, when you got 12-and-a-half-inch arms and you want to have 20-inch arms, that's unattainable. And so what I did was I, I went out and got a tape measure. And I opened up the tape measure, and I started at 12 and a half, and I took an ink pen, and I marked every quarter inch on that tape measure all the way up to 20. And every now and then, I would, I would circle it back around the 20, and I would just hold it and stare at it and go, that's going to be awesome. Because, like, at that point, that was bigger than my thigh. I never got to 20-inch biceps, but I got somewhere up near 15 which is a pretty big deal when you're starting at 12 and a half. And I never would have gotten to 15 if I hadn't broken that big goal down to a small goal. And sometimes the big has to get small. We talk about this all the time. One of our core values is the uncontainable growth of the kingdom of God. I, I so want to lead a movement, a revolution that cannot be put in a building. And, 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 I mean, we've kind of bought this American church lie that it's all about the size of the building with a steeple on it. It's not. It's about the size of the church. Period. And if we're doing our job right, just like we learned in Acts, the church is going to grow so fast that there's no way you could ever build a building to contain that. It's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We talked about the at the beginning of the series. That's why we ended big. I want you to get a picture of the kingdom of God never stops growing it's big and we can get excited about that but if we're honest then we kind of get overwhelmed by it and God just starts going whoa 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 let's make the big small what you got in your hand and God's calling you to throw down what you have in your hand look at your hand go ahead you'll feel like an idiot but look at your hand What's in your hand? The first response is nothing. 
But here's some things that are in your hand. Your time. Your control. Your safety in relationships with people just like you. Those are some things that are actually in your hand this morning that I think God would love for us to throw down. How does the big become small? Even in this, we were joking about this earlier. We got some people visiting us from Mission 217 in Kannapolis, a great church up there, and they're off today. So they're here. We're talking about that. Just the church, it gets to a certain size, and in here it can still feel small to you. But to me right now, I'm like, how do I remember everybody? How do I remember not just your name, but how do I remember the dates that are important to you, that matter to you? It starts to feel very big in a hurry. And the whole point here is to make it small because relationships matter to God. Every one person matters to Jesus. And so even the trick for our church right now is to take something that feels bigger and make it smaller. And how do we do that at the gathering? It starts with a C, ends with groups. How do we do it at the gathering? Community groups. It's not because we're trying to give you one more thing on your calendar to do. It's because we want to take the big thing that God's doing and make it small. And that's one thing that we hold in our hand. It's a time and a commitment that it takes to be a part of that. What happens when we throw that down? Number three, that's when a small step taken can lead to big implications. Now, I was kind to you, and I went ahead and let you fill in the word small and big. I was going to make you fill in the word implication, but I knew that it would be a lot of, how do you spell that? Something happened to Moses when he let go of what he had. Exodus chapter 4 says it got transformed. Now, I'm not a big snake fan. Um, I, who likes snakes? Like you would have them in your room if you could. Just raise your hands high because I want to see who to stay away from. Okay. Uh, wow, all the kids in Kid City. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm scared of the mobs of kids anyway, but especially if they like snakes. Um, I'm not a big fan of snakes. We um, one time watched, literally at our house, my dad had an old station wagon. I don't know if you ever had a station wagon. We watched a snake crawl up the pipe, the exhaust pipe, into the wagon, and we never saw it come out. That makes for a really horrifying ride when you have to get in. Like I, As I was starting to drive, I had nightmares of that snake. I'd be driving, and he would just like stick his head out through the steering wheel, right? Just... Because we saw it go in, it never came out. I don't like snakes, and so the fact that he took his staff that was in his hand, and he threw it down and got changed into a snake, I'm not sure that's good news. But the good news is, the stuff that he had, when he let it go and threw it down, it got transformed. If you're like me, well, God help you if you are, but if you are like me, you got a lot on your plate. You're, you're busy. You Man, your time is precious. It should be. And you start feeling like, if I, if I give that up, I lose. But the story here in Exodus is this. If we give that up, somehow God takes that and transforms it. He makes it something that only he could have made it. So Moses throws it down. It gets transformed. A small step taken can lead to big implications. If Moses had not done what he could, God could never have done what only he could do. And it didn't stop with the snake. Here's what happened. Because Moses threw that down, eventually two million people were freed from slavery. 
Eventually, those people are in the promised land, and ultimately, those are the people who birthed the, the Messiah that we just celebrated the birth of this past week. All because there's a guy who's just trying to, like, keep his job in the desert, kind of a dead-end job, just trying to do the best he can. And one day, God comes up to him and says, hey, I've got a bigger plan for you. And Moses says, who, me? Who, you? What about them? And God says, well, don't freak out about all the big details. You're getting a little bit crazy on yourself. Just tell me what you got in your hand. What you have in your hand, what you can actually do right now, why don't you do it? Throw that down. And because he threw it down, something big started to happen. Because a small step taken can lead to big implications. And so that, that one man throws down what he has. He picks it back up. It's transformed. It becomes something that God made that he could use to do big things. He frees people. They become a nation. That nation births the Messiah, and you and I are sitting here. The rest is history. All because a man said, I might not be able to do everything because you're blowing my mind with this vision thing that you've got, God, but i got something in my hand, and I can throw that down. Big things come in small packages. It often starts with one small step. Let me give you today's big idea. It's at the top of your sheet. You can fill it in, and I'll wrap it up. We've got one story and, a, and some practical applications. Here's the big idea. Faith is taking the steps you can while trusting God with the steps you can't. Faith is taking the steps you can while trusting God with the steps you can't. When we take the steps that we can, when we throw down what's in our hands, we create a situation for God to step in and do the things that we can't. And that's when small steps taken can lead to big implications. Um, here's a story that I heard years ago from somebody that I was on staff with at a, at a church. I've shared this with a few of you, but it's a perfect illustration of what we're talking about. I knew a man who felt like God called him to leave where he was and go to Hawaii and serve with Youth with a Mission. It's an organization they meet out in Hawaii. And so he's sitting in his, in his home, in his apartment, and he's like, I don't, I don't have, you know, any money to get to Hawaii. I don't know how, I have no way to get out there. What am I, you're calling me to go to Hawaii? I can't even get to Hawaii. And he, he felt like God said this, what can you do? And he thought, well, I guess I can pack a suitcase. So he packed a suitcase, and he said he packed it, and he closed it up. He sat down on his bed, and he said, well, I've packed my suitcase, God, but I still don't have any money. I, I don't know how I'm going to get to Hawaii. I mean, you're call, what? I, there's just no way. And he felt like God said, okay, but, but what can you do? Well, I, I guess I can pick up my suitcase and I can walk downstairs and stand by the side of the road. And so he got up and walked downstairs and stood by the side of the road and felt like an idiot. Standing by the side of the road with a suitcase. He said, God, um, I, got, I still can't. I got no way to get to the airport, no money to get a ticket. I, there's no way to get to Hawaii. And sure enough, this cab pulls up taxi and some other guy flagged it down and the guy's jumping in the car he looks out and he goes hey what what are you doing here and my friend's like well I'm just trying to get to Hawaii I'm going to the airport you want to share the cab kind of picks up his bag gets in the cab he's going to the airport he's talking to God the whole way I'm on my way to the airport I don't have any money for a ticket what am I supposed to do and he felt like God said I don't know what can you do well, I guess I can get out of the cab and go in the airport and so he went in the airport and sat down Four hours and hours talking to God about what an idiot he felt like sitting there with no ticket. 
Until suddenly a man walked up to him and said, I don't know who you are and I don't know what's going on, but I know God told me to give you this and hands him a ticket to Hawaii. Well, God, I don't know anybody in Hawaii. I don't know. When I go to Hawaii, if I'm gonna, I don't even know who's going to meet me there. He's going, well, okay, but don't tell me what you can't do. What can you do? Well, I guess I can get on the plane and go to Hawaii. So he goes to Hawaii, gets there, and sure enough, no surprise by now, he gets to the airport, and somebody's there from YWAM meeting other kids, and he gets in a van with them and goes to YWAM and went on staff with YWAM and spoke for years as one of their spokespersons, and the rest is history. Because faith is taking the steps that you can while trusting God with the steps that you can't. And sometimes what we do is we look at the big picture we look at the things that God wants to do, and those are just the things that we can imagine, right? I mean, we can all, if I walked around and said, hey, what do you think God can do through the gathering next year? We'd probably all say something because I'd have the mic in your face and you'd feel, feel, feel funny if you couldn't. We'd say something, but what I want you to understand is whatever we say is too small. Because the Bible says that whatever we can ask or imagine, God can do greater than that. But sometimes we look at the big and we get so paralyzed by the big that we start thinking, what God, I could never pull that off. So I'll just stand here and I'll just have all the faith in the world that somehow you are going to pull that off. And God looks at us and says, but what can you do? What's in your hand? Just throw it down. Just do something. And I'll do the things that you can't. I'm not promising that you'll get a ticket to Hawaii. That'd be awesome. But I can guarantee you this. You start to take the steps that you can. And God will do the things that we can't. There's a verse in Isaiah. I think it's 38.10. But to be honest, I didn't look it up. And so if that's some really weird verse about, like, you know, digging holes outside the camp to use the bathroom in, sorry. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure it's Isaiah 38.10. It says this. And if you want to look it up on your phone and shout it out so we can tell people before we leave, that would be awesome. It says that whether you turn to the right or the left, you'll always hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I love that verse because it, to me it just kind of says this, following Jesus is a little bit like a roller coaster. I don't know if you like roller coasters or not. I do. Maybe not now that I'm older, but I love roller coasters. Once they go upside down, all that cool stuff. Riding those roller coasters is a lot like following Jesus. Once you get on the coaster and you put the bar down and they check it three or 400 times to make sure you're not going to fall out, once you're on the ride, it doesn't really matter if you're upside down, left, right, corkscrew, throwing up, whatever. You're on the ride. So that verse doesn't say if you turn right or the pick one, one of them's the right way, one of them's the wrong way. That verse says whether you go to the right or the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I really do believe this. One of the very first messages I ever preached, I said this, and I still do. That God is so much more concerned that your foot would do this than he is about where it's going to go down. Got it? Isaiah 30, 21. It's exactly what I said. Thank you so much. Google is your friend. Sometimes we get so hung up on where am I going to put my foot down. And until I hear God say where to go for sure, I'm not going to do anything. And God's just saying, man, just pick your foot up. Just make a move. Just what's in your hand. Do what you can. And I will take care of the things that you can't. Some of you, here are some possible steps this year. 
For some of you, the step is going to be intentionally engaging with the family here at the gathering. In, intentionally engaging. That's not the same as showing up at church. How do you intentionally engage with the church family? One way that we're going to use starting in 2014, we're going to start using CCB. We just watched an eight-minute video because we don't want you to be the people that just disappear. I, thought, I don't know. We talk about this a lot. I don't know how you do with your family, but we're a family of five. And so if we go to Carowinds, how many numbers? What do I count to all the time? Five. Always. One, two, three, four. Okay, we're good. Let's go. Get off the ride. Okay, well, hold on. One, two, three. Okay, good. We're, we're Sydney because she's the shortest one, so you can overlook her sometimes, right? I mean, I'm always making sure I know where my family is. We come to church and think we should just magically know stuff. That's ridiculous. But if we're a family, then we have to be intentional about engaging with one another so that we can know where we are. It's as simple as that. And CCB is a tool that we're going to use a lot. The only thing about that tool is this. It's really good, but only if we're actually a part of it. And so that's one way. That could be a very small step. Like, what does joining... Church community builder have to do with the kingdom of God. Come on, Pastor Paul. We're, we're called to do much greater things, bigger things than that. I'm called to be a missionary to the world. Yes, you are from a family that loves you and you're planted in. And that knows you and can support you. And the tool that we're going to use is CCB. How, can you, how do you join it? Well, you can come up to me today and I'll take out my iPad and I'll help you join it right now. Or you can go home and do it. By the time you get home, there will be an image on the website. First image you see, we'll see it'll say something really subtle like, click here to join CCB. It doesn't cost you a thing. We're not taking your credit card. Nothing like that. just helps us stay in touch with you. For some of you, that's a big step, and that's the step that you need to take. It's a step out of isolation and into relation for some of you the step's going to be involvement in a community group or an ios ministry team or both now listen right now on your table is a long list of community groups at the church they'll be starting in, in january and so we're starting to sign people up to them like i don't want to go to the community group because i'm an introvert we've already discussed this so am i deal with it i'm an introvert through and through community's not my thing but it's i'll never live without it again because there's something about knowing that people have your back, that they know you, the real you, and still like you. That's pretty cool. We don't want to have that in community with other people, but we pray for a marriage like that, right? Like none of you, I don't hope, got married saying, listen, for better or for worse, I'm with you. In sickness and in health, for richer or for poor, I'm all yours, but let's never talk. Did I just describe the man's ideal marriage? I hope not. If I did for you men, then you need to come to the real marriage small group that starts in January. We don't get married like that. We get married to be in relation. Church is no different. So for some of you, you're like, yeah, I love it here. but I like to kind of keep everybody at arm's length, right? Community group takes care of that. Maybe you don't want to be in a group. You want to be on a team. You want to serve. Um, you'll hear a lot more in the next couple months, we're going to start a series in January called One. It's a study through Ephesians. We're going to talk about the power of focus, and you'll hear a lot about ministry teams, picking one place that you can serve and doing it the best that you possibly can. Maybe that's for you. I don't care if it's a group. I don't care if it's a team. I don't care if it's both of those. 
But it's so important for you to pick one of those ways to make the big become small. When you join a team or a group, it's just a step out of consuming and into contributing. And here's the last way that some of you might be called this year. It's simply for some of you, the step's going to be investing into the big things that God is doing here at the gathering. And, and really what that's about, whether it's money, whether it's time, that's about taking a step out of spectating and into participating. Just saying, you know what, I'm not just passing by here. This is my deal. I'm here. And I'm a part of it. That's a, that's a step. Is, is any of those, are any of those steps going to be big enough to change the world? Maybe. Maybe. Because sometimes that's how the big things start, right? They start with one simple, intentional, small step. It feels a little bit like Moses when he was standing there holding his staff. Because if you know anything about shepherds and people that worked in the desert, the staff was pretty important. Because you and I are like, dude, it's a stick that you got in the backyard and you whittled it, whittle another one, throw it down. But for him, that was his protection. It was the way he did his job. It was like, if I don't have a staff, I'm not getting a check. I'm getting nothing. I've got, this is all I've got. It's a big deal. And he threw it down. And when he threw it down, he got it back. He just got it back different. He got it back full of the power of God. Listen, I'm, here's my whole deal. Whatever you have in your hand, you throw that down, guess what God's going to do? He's going to give it back to you. It's just going to be different. You got 24 hours in a day. You throw that out to God, and he gives you back 24 hours in a day. But you'll find that you're doing more with those 24 hours than you ever thought possible. You'll find that you actually stop and have a conversation with somebody that you never thought you'd have a conversation with. And before you'd have been like, can we please hurry this up? Come on, i got stuff to do. i got places to be. And you'll relax and have a conversation. And they'll actually encounter Jesus. And then you'll still get your stuff done. you got so much money, Right? I mean, I'd like to tell you that we're going to pray at the end of this message and God's going to somehow miraculously add zeros to the end of your paycheck. But if I was telling you stuff like that, I'd be on TV as an evangelist. Instead, I'm a pastor in real life. So the truth of the matter is, probably, you know, your next paycheck is going to look just like the one you just got. So we hold on to it. But if we just... Throw that down somehow in a way that I cannot explain. God takes and gives it back to us. The same check and somehow that money's going farther. I cannot explain it. I cannot explain to you how my wife and I bought our first house during a summer when she interned with no check and I was in, in seminary making nothing. I cannot explain that to you. All I know is that even then, we just threw down what we had, which at that point was like not much. And somehow God just miraculously transformed it. And why does God do that? Because now I get to stand on this platform and tell you that story, and all of you are like, yeah, Paul's not, there's no way he could, full, he, could full, he could pull that off. There's no way. Only God could do that. This is not about manipulating you. I don't want to manipulate you. I just want you to understand that the big things that God's calling us to do start with one simple, small step. What is in your hand? What do you already have? 
that you can just throw down and let God transform. My guess is that it starts with things like getting closer to people, community groups. It's going to require that you throw down some time. I mean, there's just no other way around it. I can't make it any simpler than that. It's going to require, boy, if you're like me, man, you get in a, I get in a weird situation where I'm uncomfortable. I shouldn't tell you this because now you'll know. You'll know when I'm uncomfortable because you'll be like, dude, check it out. He's freaking out. <laughs> and when I get uncomfortable, man, I start sweating. I, I just get hot. I don't know how you are. Maybe you get cold. That's fantastic. But when I really get uncomfortable, like I can feel it starting right here, and then my neck gets hot. And I, I can remember in college giving book reports and oral reports, and I could literally watch. I could feel the sweat coming down the nose and then kind of dangling right there. Which is awful because you're like, you don't know what to do with that. Do you just do that and draw attention to it? Or you just like let it hang there? What do you do with that, right? So like the thought, the thought for me, I just shared way too much about myself, but didn't I? I'm sorry. But even now, I hope I don't have that kind of sweat happening anymore. But even, even now, the thought of coming to your house, a strange environment, and sitting with people that I kind of know but not really, it does not make me go, yippee. It makes me go like, can I have the seat by the door? Just in case I want to just do the fake phone check. Oh, got a call, got to go, and get out of there. I totally understand it. I totally understand privacy and people want to be on their own and all that stuff. The problem is that's just not in the Bible. The Bible's about a people of God who lived and walked together with Jesus. That happens in community. So what we do to help you make that a little more comfortable is most of the community groups are going to serve you food because it's always easier to have that cup as a buffer, isn't it? Something about that cup with liquid in it just makes you feel a little bit safer. you probably got some food, and usually that's in another room. And so if things get really uncomfortable during the discussion time, you just say things like, boy, that dessert's really good. I'm going to get some more. And then you go. 30 minutes later, they come back. <laughs> just in time for the closing prayer. But here's the deal. Whatever your step is, I can tell you right now, I'm going to close and we're going to wrap up. There's something in your hand. There's something in your hand. And, and God just wants you to take a small step this morning and throw it down. We've tried to paint a picture over this past month of some of the big things that God's doing through us, even at two years old. And, and I, I wish I could tell you that, like, the next year, we're suddenly going to be, like, a, a teenage church and all that stuff. But I'm just like you are with your kids. Did you ever look at your two-year-old and say, dude, would you just hurry up and get your license? No. What you did was your teenager got a license and you went, but just like just yesterday you were two. We want to go back. We don't want to go, we don't want to fast forward. We want to rewind. So here's what I'm telling you as your pastor, man. We're not gonna be in a hurry to get through this stage. We're two years old. It means that we're really cute and we we bump into stuff. We make lots of messes, but we're cute. This is who we are. And so next year we're going to turn three. Woohoo! We don't want to rush through this, but we sure want to do it right. And you know why? Look at the person next to you. Just look at them. Even if they're your spouse, this still applies. That person matters to us. Because that person matters to Jesus. And 
no matter what big things God does through this church going forward, it's a loss if it has to happen without people that are sitting right here today. And we want community because we want to know you. We want you to know one another so you can walk together with Jesus. That's what's going to launch us into big things. Faith is taking the steps that you can while trusting God with the steps that you can't.